He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question once. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game. He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. As he, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. It is a Monday Drive, WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad. And since the Carolina Panthers lost by two touchdowns and didn't score a touchdown on offense, we're going to talk about hoops before we get to football today. That's because... The table's been officially set for Tar Heel basketball. The AP preseason poll is out. Predictably, the Heels are at number one for the 10th time in school history. And with the season tipping off three weeks from tonight, it's clear North Carolina is going to be the most entertaining watch in the nation this year. See, I'm viewing it like a TV show where I'm trying to scroll through Netflix and figure out what I'm going to watch. Huh. Should I watch... Stranger Things, or what's this? Wake Forest basketball? Heard a lot about that actor Steve Forbes. He seems fun. What are the storylines? Who are the characters at play? Nobody in college basketball is more compelling than Carolina, and they will be the biggest draw as a result. The expectations simply cannot get higher than they are for this team. I remember we had the voice of the Tar Heels, Jones Angel, on. The day that Caleb Love and Armando Baycott Armando. officially announced that they were coming back for this season. When that happened, Jones amid- immediately went out of his way to say, let's not do Final Four or bust. It's really hard to get there, yada, yada, yada. And he's right. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't make that the expectation because... March is random. It's hard to get to the NCAA championship game. It's hard to win a national title. It's hard to get to the Final Four. We know this. But it is Final Four or bust. It is. They will try to tell you it's not Final Four or bust, but it is. That's like listening to Duke folks try to tell you that last season was a great success for them. Here's how I know that's not the case. I went to Duke Carolina football on Saturday night, and without even thinking about it, WD, I wore a Final Four pullover. Had the New Orleans Final Four logo on it. I got a lot of mean looks from folks at Duke. I'm like, wait a minute. You guys hung a banner for that Final Four. It's not like I'm wearing a T-shirt saying Carolina whatever to Duke whatever in the Final Four, but I might as well have. You see, they're not going to tell you it's Final Four or bust, but really they already have. Go and watch the announcement videos for those guys when they decided to come back. Every single one of them mentioned, oh, we're trying to hang a banner. We're trying to hang a banner. That's all they were talking about. We have unfinished business. Really? You guys were up 16 in the national title game. What else is there to do? Oh, it's Final Four or bust. That's what it is. And we know who all the characters are. This is what college basketball misses. It's old school in this regard. It's what separates this team from other exciting teams we've had in recent years, like the Duke Zion team. That was like a rocket. That was like a comet in the sky. Those guys were here for six to eight months, and that was it. Zion and RJ and Reddish, it was a great show. 
What's different about this is we know all the characters. And when I say we, I mean even college, casual college basketball fans. If you've watched college basketball at all over the last couple of years, you know who Armando Baycott is. Armando. We still need him to give us that updated version. We do. We're waiting. We're going to make that happen. Baycott said he would do it. We'll have it before the start of the season, I think. People know who Caleb Love is. You know who these four starters are coming back. They are all upperclassmen. So, yes, they were great on the biggest stage in March. But do you know what the next biggest stage is other than the NCAA tournament? The Duke-Carolina rivalry. Just look at the ratings on ESPN or college basketball ratings in general outside of March Madness. These guys have played in a number of those games. People know who these players are, so they're interested in what happens to them. And here's the rub when it comes to drama. There's a chance that this doesn't go well. There's a chance they don't achieve that goal of getting to the Final Four. And it's not some minute possibility. UCLA last year looks a lot like this North Carolina team with expectations after the tournament run they had to the Final Four from being one of the first four in in the 2021 tournament. Odds aren't actually in North Carolina's favor here to get to Houston. No preseason favorite has won a national title since 2009. Only four of the dozen favorites since then got to the Final Four. Four of the last dozen. As I said, the last national champion to win it while also being the preseason favorite was North Carolina in 2009. This is the 10th time Carolina's been preseason number one. They've been to the Final Four four of the previous nine times that's happened with two national titles in 82 and, of course, again, 2009. On Twitter, at WSGS Radio, if you want in. WD, am I being a buzzkill for your Tar Heels at all? No, I mean, it's, it's good to stay objective about these things. You can be excited and cautious at the same time. But this team does remind me of that 09 team a little bit. And partially a because lot of it. And partially because of what you just said about we know the characters. Yeah, a lot of it. We knew Ty Lawson. We knew Tyler Hansbrough. But here is guys. the one key difference between the two. This is the key difference. That Carolina team was preseason number one the year before. This is true. 2009. Not a team that we didn't know whether they were going to make the tournament or not first week of March. That's the one key difference between the two. We got to get to Panthers news. The Carolina Panthers traded our beloved Robbie Anderson today. And after yesterday's game, this is a move that simply had to happen. Robbie decided now that his college coach, who was his NFL coach, is no longer in town and the substitute teacher is in place, that's when he's going to start acting up. We all know that guy. We all knew that person, that classmate, that was fine when the teacher was in place, but when the substitute immediately stepped in, started acting up. So Robbie was sent to his room, was sent home after acting up. He said he was confused why he was sent off. Don't know if I buy that or not. Seemed like he was trying to do some damage control so that a trade could get done. You look at his social media today, he doesn't seem that bummed out that he's going to another team. I just don't think Arizona is going to be a great spot for him. It makes sense because Marquise Hollywood Brown might be having a season-ending foot injury. Got banged up in Seattle yesterday. But he needs structure. He needs functional. And Arizona is neither of those. They are not very structured. They are not very functional. In fact, they are dysfunctional. So I don't think it's going to end well, but it will be better that he's there than in Charlotte, considering he was Matt Rule's guy. 
and now he's not a place anymore. But I'm going to miss Robbie. So much so that WD and I helped put together a loving tribute to a guy who's given us a lot of content. Robbie with an IE, Anderson. Here, ain't it? So that's, you know, it's a tell tale. You wanna be a panther? Huh? You wanna be a panther? I'm here, right? I don't know if y'all seen, you know, they said the world been spinning faster. Y'all saw that? To me, I've been like, damn, time been going fast, so I wonder if it really is or not, but things been going by pretty fast, you know? Do you think that this team is done enough? You should stay? Oh, yeah, of course. Where, where will he be going at? I'm gonna go to the house, kick back, eat me some crab legs, and and just chill. You feel me? Where do you get crab legs from? Huh? Where do you get the crab legs from? A DJ hat got them for me. Maryland guys. Yeah. I didn't see it, and I'm not a fashion. I don't work in the fashion department. I got a candle. I ain't just ain't got me no light up. Does it give you solace at all that? And even though it wasn't working for the first three quarters, the flip can turn on. I don't even know what that word means. Ain't gonna lie. What's that man doing? Panther. That's Sir Purr, bro. Who? Sir Purr. How you say that? Sir Purr. Sir Purr. Oh, Sir Purr. You call him that? Yeah, that's his name. So you be like, what's up, Sir Purr? What's that man doing? Huh? Getting emotional over here. <laughs> Unique personalities. We need guys like Robbie Anderson. He said, I got a candle. I ain't got no lighter. Tough. Thank you for your service, Robbie Anderson. Your service to hashtag content. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. That was a lengthy review. What exactly are you doing during that review? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That was Antoine Green, North Carolina wide receiver Saturday night, dancing his way into the end zone, finding just a little bit of room, it seemed like. I saw a green stripe between his foot and the white sideline. The touchdown stood. North Carolina won by three against Duke on Saturday night. North Carolina, six and one, heading into the bye. Let's just... Take inventory real quick on the Coastal Division race. We picked North Carolina in the preseason. Plus 300 they were. Everybody, it seemed like, was picking Pittsburgh and Miami. North Carolina had the third most votes, 18 of 150. We were one of 18 when we were one of one last year. And frankly, I think North Carolina has it. I don't want to go as far to say it's a wrap here in the second week of October, but looking at the schedule, you play Pittsburgh. Let's put it this way. If they beat Pittsburgh two weeks from now, then I'll say it's a wrap. Because the three teams I felt had the ability to win the Coastal was Pitt, Miami, and North Carolina. 
it's not going to happen for Miami. And North Carolina has the tiebreaker. Pitt could get the tiebreaker against Carolina in Chapel Hill a couple weeks from now. That is the game, I think, that will lock it up for North Carolina if they should win it. Because after that, they're going to crush Virginia, who is hopeless right now. Wake Forest is a conference game this year. You might lose that one. Georgia Tech goes to Chapel Hill. Since the game's in Chapel Hill, I feel comfortable in North Carolina winning that game. And I think NC State. Now that Devin Leary isn't playing for the pack, State going into Carolina, I think that's a game Carolina's favored by a touchdown in, if not more. So even if they were to lose, hypothetically, against Wake and NC State, 6-2 and two with tiebreakers against Pitt and Miami is enough to win the Coastal. So if they beat Pittsburgh two weeks from now, I think that's it. Call the match. North Carolina wins the Coastal. Not bad for the pick that we gave in the offseason. Two and three in best bets this weekend, though, where Graham's gambling. Still have to get used to the renaming there. And here's the thing I hate about it. I was texting my friend Steve, who works for The Swarm about this, and some others who were asking, hey, who are some of the picks that you like? All throughout the week, I said there were two that I was in love with. I even told you this. Two that I was in love with. Seahawks plus two and a half against Arizona. They won the game by 10. And Kentucky plus four and a half, a four-point dog. They beat Mississippi State outright, and that wasn't even much of a contest. Tell them to bring me my money. Those were the two I liked. Those were the two that hit. But it's not a good radio segment if you only give out two. So then we added some. So like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, they all count the same, but those two, we even said it on Friday. I love these two. So we added a few more that I didn't, wasn't in love with. But the two that I really liked were the two that hit. We have to figure out something to get around that. Graham's grades. Every week, we dive into the NFL, the best, the worst, the meh. Let's get into it. Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. the test if one of y'all says some silly ass name who dropped the ball i don't know josh graham has the answers i think you're very condescending and a know-it-all time for graham's great this is incredible news coming out of arizona that i just have to share with you right now Uh uh-oh so robbie anderson is an arizona cardinal yeah he is why do you think the Cardinals decided to move and pick up Robbie Anderson now? Well, Hollywood Brown's probably out for the year. You would think. Ian Rappaport, just Rapper reported, some good news <laughs> for the Cardinals. Hollywood Brown, following the MRI, his foot isn't as bad as was initially thought. It's a small, non-surgical fracture, source said. Recovery time is about six weeks. He is getting a second opinion from... Dr. Robert Anderson before moving forward. What? Dr. Robert Anderson. <laughs> That's great. Listen here, bruh. I don't think your foot's good at all. You know what I'm saying? Let's stop. <laughs> I don't know how it's offensive, but I just feel like what we're doing is offensive. Let's start with the really good from the NFL first. Hey. The Buffalo Bills. That might have decided 
that might end up deciding home field in the AFC. I think those are the two best teams in the conference. And Buffalo went into Kansas City and did something that they weren't able to do last year. Well, they did a lot of the things that they did back in January. The difference was, with a minute four to go, they didn't allow Mahomes to go the length of the field. Instead, their defense did something that they couldn't do in overtime or in the final 13 seconds of that playoff game. They forced a turnover. And good on them. I do think Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. So for them to win that game, it was exciting, really fun to watch. I hope they play again. And it's played in Buffalo when January rolls around. That was an A game and an A win for Buffalo. B. The New York Jets. The Jets are 4-2. and two. And they just blew out Green Bay in Lambeau, a game that you could have listened to right here on WSJS. It's finally starting to come together. I know exactly what Dave Pulaski and other Jet fans are going through right now. I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan, and it feels like the Jets are having an Orioles-esque type of season where they're going to be in the mix playoffs-wise, and they went through a lot of bad seasons. It's what it seems like for the Jets. Don't you get that feel? Well, I get it for that other team in New York, too. I don't want to nuke any of your grades here if that's in there. No, no, no. The, 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 the Giants? Giants? They're not in there, but really just New York football altogether. Last year, you could argue that the Giants and Jets were among were two of the three worst teams in the NFL at points. And now they're both really good. Like combined, I think they're nine and three. Yeah. One loss only for the Giants. And the Jets are four and two. New York football really could be a B altogether. C. The Philadelphia Eagles. They stay unbeaten. They beat Dallas. It's prime time. You're at home. You should win that game. But Dallas made it airtight after falling behind 20 to nothing. It's 20 to 17. Some butt clenching time at the bank, or the link as they call it. The bank's their baseball stadium. Sure, they won the game, but. I bet you Dallas leaves this game feeling really good. Hey, we went in there. We took their biggest punch. We made it a competitive game in the fourth quarter, and we didn't have our quarterback. And if you watch the video and some of the interviews that he did after the game, Dak Prescott's close. Dak's probably going to come back next week. And I think it's one of those rare games where both fan bases probably feel pretty good about where they're at after the game, even though one has to win and the other has to lose. D. Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh was seen to be one of the worst teams in the NFL going into the week. I mentioned the stat earlier. You see these analytic figures or these probability figures that are out there. The Carolina Panthers have going into this week a 27% chance of getting the number one pick. That's my nerdy voice. According to my calculations. According to my calculations. Pittsburgh and Washington going into the week had the second and third best odds. They both won this weekend. So Carolina, they are, I don't know what the calculations say now, but should be an overwhelming favorite to get that number one pick. Tom Brady lost to Pittsburgh again. Lost to this team. Not good. And he was called on a hot mic, cursing out his teammates on the sideline as well. I can't think of anything that can make things better for this Tampa Bay team. Oh, wait, they got Carolina next week. (laughs) That'll do the trick. F. Cleveland. 
I didn't watch anything from this game. I got a 1 o'clock, 1.30 nap in yesterday. That was great. Got a nap before the Panthers game started. But this is one of those that I turned on, or I just looked at the stats, looked at the box score, and thought the scores were flipped. Cleveland's at home, and surely they're the ones winning by 20. And then when I saw that New England was the one leading by 20, I thought, oh, Mac Jones probably played in this game, right? Nope. To quote Dave Chappelle in one of his bits, this is deep cut Chappelle's show, so if you know, you know. (laughs) The uh, Cleveland Browns got zapped. Bailey Zappy. Zapped. They nearly dropped 40 on them in Cleveland with Zappy zapped. That's um, They're now two and four. Cleveland, one of those two wins are against the Carolina Panthers. Maybe they're not going to be in position to get into the playoffs when Deshaun Watson comes back. I don't know. Jack Easterby was fired today, by the way, by Houston Texans. If you want to read what a dysfunctional organization really looks like, read into his background and the level of influence he had over the last few years. But that is Graham's grades for this week. Dr. Robert Anderson. (laughs) That's where Hollywood Brown is getting the second opinion. And the comments are great where it's just Robbie's face on a bunch of white, like, like a medical Coats. It's outstanding. Oh. There actually is a Chappelle show bit where Lil John is a doctor, or I think is going to the doctor, where he's sitting there. He's like, Would you mind lifting your arm? Oh. I said, Would you mind lifting your arm? Oh. <laughs> Would you mind lifting your arm? Yay! Dr. Robert Anderson. Here's Hollywood Brown walking in. Hey, Doc Anderson, my foot, is it going to be bad? Oh. (laughs) I'm going to miss Robbie. I know, me too. Check this out. We're on at five. The perfect blend of sports and pop culture happens this evening at six with The Rich Eisen Show. Okay, let's get this show rolling. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Even though Matt Rule wasn't on the Panthers' sideline yesterday, that does not mean there were not Matt Rule jokes told. Anytime a coach is fired, you know you're going to get the behind-the-scenes damning story that gets published that has all the dirty secrets, that makes the coach look terrible. Air quotes, terrible. And yesterday, that story was written by our friend Jonathan Jones at CBS Sports, a guy who used to be a Panthers beat writer, who covered the Panthers for a really long time, still lives in Charlotte, I believe. He wrote the story, and among the things we found, the way of the Panther. 
Oh, it's so embarrassing. CBS Sports, according to this story, obtained a document on the front that says the way of the Panther that is purported to have been created by rule early on in his tenure as Panthers coach and in it. And this is like a three page document. So if you're picturing Matt rule, giving this guy, the players, a novel to read about his processes or processes or whatever his vision, then come on. It's three pages here, but quoted in the document WD, it says Pepsi tastes like Pepsi 24 hours a day. We have a brand at the Panthers. The brand defines us both on the field and everyday life. We are the toughest, hardest working, and most competitive team in the NFL. <laughs> this was their plan to win. Focusing on football metrics. Things that they want to do well. Not being a penalized team. DBO. Don't beat ourselves. Remember the DBO sign that they used to have once upon a time? They wanted explosive plays on offense. They wanted to, quote, win the line of scrimmage. A lot of coach speak stuff in here. They want to be great in the middle eight and in the final five. That's the final four minutes of the first half, first four of the second half. That's what they want. Final five minutes of the game. They want to be there. And the document states, if you can't write this down, this plan, this brand, then you are not. O-O-U, an acronym used in the building that stands for one of us. Apparently, this acronym has been mocked regularly by staffers in the building for the last year plus. So this is an embarrassing look for Matt Rule. Not really, though. When you don't win, everything is ripe for being ridiculed. This, Do you know what this feels like? This feels like when in court like in a defamation case. Somebody starts reading clinically, verbatim, a joke. A joke out of context. Or reads rap lyrics. You ever heard that in court? Like the Duke lacrosse case? Apparently someone's like, oh, this. look how bad this teen is. This guy wants to do these types of things. And then the defense attorney was like, uh, that's actually a rap lyric. Everything sounds bad. When you're reading it in a courtroom, generally speaking, text, jokes, rap lyrics. And similarly, when you don't win, everything's right for ridicule. The way of the Panther, that's not egregious. It's him hammering down what he wants the identity of the team to be. If reporters are going to constantly ask Matt Rule what the team's identity is to the point where it becomes a cliche question, yeah, he puts it on a three-page document. If this thing was like a dozen pages long or... 20 pages long. That's one thing. It's a three piece, three pieces of paper that we're talking about here. Oh, but Josh, way of the Panther. Are you kidding me? These are NFL players. Does anybody make fun of the Patriot way? Anybody? Oh, well, no, that's the Patriots though. Oh, so if you win, it's fine. But if you lose, ah, ha, ha, look how ridiculous that is. OOU, one of us. That sounds like how every football coach I know talks. That's how coaches talk. But when you lose, it's easy to mock. Even though the Panthers trying to figure out who OOU is, find players who are one of us, actually did pretty good when it came to drafting players. 
They didn't miss on their top 10 picks. They found Jeremy Chin in the second round. They did a pretty good job with that. Oh, oh, you. How ridiculous. These guys are talking to adults. Is anybody making fun of Nick Sirianni right now? You remember him? Mr. I'm going to be in draft meetings. I'm going to be at the combine. I want to see how competitive you are, so I'm going to arm wrestle you. That guy. Oh, no one's making fun of him because his team's undefeated. But I guarantee you, if Philadelphia was 1-5 in five like Carolina was right now, everybody would be making arm wrestling jokes. Everybody would be making fun at Nick Sirianni. So is it possible, is it plausible that these things that are outlined in the story are only looking bad because Matt Rule's an easy target? Because Matt Rule... Didn't it didn't work out for Matt Rule? That's to me joking about this, making fun of this now. It sounds a lot like reading rap lyrics or reading jokes in a courtroom. That's what it sounds like. Well, and at the end of the day, people are gonna see what they want to see. Was that a Matt Rule and cliche? Not intended, but yeah. You're not OOU. No, I'm not. Let's get to something else that's pretty funny. <laughs> Leaky Black is in the news today. Carolina basketball is in the news today. Number one in the country, AP preseason top 25. Did you see that social media Sports Illustrated cover that North Carolina put out there? Yeah. Pretty cool. So there's the historic cover ahead of the 82 season that has Dean Smith, cover of Sports Illustrated, like writing something up on a chalkboard. And in the backdrop, you have four of the five Carolina starters. I think you got uh, Perkins, you have Doherty, Jimmy Black, and James Worthy. Michael Jordan was not featured in that photo because Dean Smith didn't want a freshman in the picture. So it's just four Carolina starters and it's Dean Smith on the cover. That was when they were preseason number one. So what a brilliant idea for Carolina to essentially get all the same stuff that's in that picture again, but have Hubert with the chalkboard and have the four returning starters from last year on the cover. I guess Puff Johnson's going to be like Mike Jordan this year. We'll see if that's Let's the hope case. so. Yeah. Uh, I want to bet on that. But Leaky Black is one of the starters coming back. And Leaky Black is finally taking advantage of of NIL opportunities. <laughs> this is outstanding. This is an NIL deal that I think is, I think the on three evalu NIL evaluation, he's worth like $134,000. Let, let's hear who he's partnered with. Hey, Leaky, tell us about your new NIL deal. You know, East Plumbing has been remarkable. You know, um, I'm the best defender in the country. They're the best home defenders. We're just doing our job, giving back to the community. Why do you think East Plumbing decided to partner with you? Man, I just think they got to thank for leaks. Have you ever considered becoming a plumber? All right, you're all set. No more leaks in this house. <laughs> I get it. You know, leaks. Leaky. It's crazy you're fixing leaks now. Nah, I'll stick to the court. I'll let them dominate the plumbing business. No leaks in this house. What plumbing terms remind you of the school eight miles down the road? Bro, that's a dookie question. <laughs> it's not that funny. That <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Why are you laughing at that? Because it's good. 
It's not, though. This is so long overdue for him. Yeah, I, I agree. East Plumbing is the name of the plumbing outfit, Cornelius, North Carolina. Isn't that in the triad? Where is Cornelius? I don't think that's in the triad. Where is it then? I've heard of it. Let me let me let me take. I'm the getting Google on the old it. Google. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. I feel like I'm pretty good at recognizing triad area places. It's outside of Charlotte. Okay, it's north of Charlotte. I would have felt really bad if that was in the triad. Yeah, I didn't think that was in the triad. Not too terribly far from like no. Mooresville, and yeah. So, ease plumbing. Using the advertising slogan, no leaks in this house. It's great. It's great. Could have used more dookie jokes, potentially. I I think the punchline at the end was perfectly placed. I I think that's all we needed. We got nothing to prove here. Well. (laughs) We need to come up with more NIL opportunities for some of the other starters. Armando Baycott already has... Armando. Oh, Netflix, and he's got Jimmy Seafood. Shout out to those folks, John and company. Puff Johnson, like yep. Cocoa Puffs, where you at? No, no, no. Well, cheese Puff, puffs, puffs already got. I think there's a company called Puff, like Cheese Puffs, Cocoa Puffs. You could like, for you, sure, but I think there's already like a company that partnered with Puff Johnson that's called Puff. <laughs> I think that's already happened because of his name. But where is the love for R.J. Davis or K? Caleb Love, are you kidding me? When Valentine's Day comes around in oh. February, how how does nothing happen in that regard? And they're so creative, like when this stuff happens, like leaky. Like it, it's just so creative. It's not mainstream. We love to see that. So we need to figure out how RJ Davis and Caleb Love get involved in the fold. I don't know. What would be a good one for RJ? I think there's like a genuine, like Italian, like New York style pizza place in Chapel Hill that would be great for RJ and his thick New York accent that he has. There, see? That'd be good. And, and for Caleb, I don't know. It, it would have to be some type of pun, some type of punch on him hitting that shot. Oh, of course. I'm surprised <laughs> there weren't as many Final Four jokes. I heard at the Duke Carolina football game on Saturday. I restrained myself the entire game until Carolina got the ball the last possession. I know. Where I asked, Yeah. What's Caleb Love up to? <laughs> in fact, Antoine Green, Caleb Love, anyone ever seen them in the same room? Really makes you think. Is it too soon to look at bowl projections? Because CBS Sports does it every single week, and they've been doing it since week one. This is the first time I paid attention to it, though. We're over the halfway point of the season. Teams playing six, seven games now. CBS Sports has Wake Forest playing Alabama in the Orange Bowl. And how's this for drama? If that's not enough for you to make your head explode, how about North Carolina being matched up with Texas? Mac Brown facing the Texas Longhorns. 
I'm in on both of those. Darren Gant is with us. Jet lagged. Darren Gant, fresh off the trip to Los Angeles, watching the Carolina Panthers go all that way, not to get into the end zone on offense, that is. Uh, from Panthers.com, Hall of Fame voter. Darren, how were your travels this weekend? Uh, they were lovely and uneventful, and we're happy to be home. I don't know that I would use the word fresh to describe anything about me right now. After spending about 12 of a 36 hours sitting in a plane seat, you know, it takes a toll out of a man. But we're here, and we're safe, and we're at home, and that's what matters. High school me would say you are fresh with a PH in my mind, though. Ah! Darren Gant is with me here. You got beat up a lot in high school, didn't you, Josh? Yeah, don't remind me. I'm how, <laughs> how surprised were you by Robbie Anderson's behavior on the sideline yesterday? What do you remember about watching it in real time? Well, I mean, it's it's unusual. Anytime you see somebody yelling like that, I mean, again, those kind of things happen. I remember 100 years ago, Kevin, Ste- uh, Kevin Green going at Kevin Steele on the sidelines. These things happen in the heat of the moment. Guys are fired up. Guys want to do their best. And and Robbie tried to explain himself last night that, you know, it wasn't about anything other than wanting to be involved, wanting to make a play, but not being taken off the field on a third down. So, you know, I understand it from that perspective, but at the same time, that kind of stuff can't happen. You can't, um, you can't have that stuff going on, especially not when you're one and four going on one and five. You were obviously there in that post game when Robbie chose to speak. Did it surprise you at all that he chose to speak uh, after that? Yeah, it surprised me that he chose to speak, but I think he, you know, and he kind of said, I think it was a preemptive strike on his part because he knew what it looked like. He knew that, you know, it was the kind of thing that people are going to think a certain way of. And it's because that's not ordinary. And I, I just think Robbie was just trying to get out ahead of it. And, 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 you know, we all know what happened earlier this morning. Uh, you know, Robbie is now an Arizona Cardinal, and he's back on another plane heading the other direction. He's He's got more frequent flyer miles this week than any of us. But it's um, it, he knew what was coming, and I, and I don't think he's necessarily disappointed. There's um, – he didn't like the way things had gone here the last couple of years. And, and honestly, I don't know that people were necessarily crazy about the way he reacted. He comes off a, a career year in 2020, and his former college coach – uh, advocated to extend his contract and give him a raise, and Robbie came back with about half the numbers that he did the year before. So I, I don't think anybody was thrilled with the way this deal worked out. So, you know, he wasn't happy. They weren't thrilled with the production for the value, and now he's a Cardinal, and the Panthers got a couple extra future draft picks to fool around with and, and add to the inventory there. I mean, they had nine picks in the next two drafts. Now they've got 10 and an extra seven in 25. But it's, um, you know, I, I think it's just one of those regrettable chapters. And, you know, I think a lot of people on both sides are just ready to move on from it. So let's move on from it. Darren Gant with us here and wonder what the next move might be. There are three names I want to throw at you. And you just let yep. me know if – this guy's viewed to be off limits or what it might take for Carolina to even welcome a conversation. We saw Peter Schrager's report yesterday, and I'll put it to you. Christian McCaffrey, off limits, or what exactly do you think the Panthers might have to listen to in order to entertain it? And this is not me trying to evade a question. This is just me 
explaining how NFL front offices work. Most of these guys have worked with each other at a certain point. And, and when personnel guys know that a team's going poorly, uh, GM for team A will call GM from hypothetical team B and say, yeah, things are weird there. You guys aren't going to trade Brian Burns, are you? And, and they think, okay, well, if you can give away one of your best players for a second round pick, yeah, we'd do that. You know, vulture circle in every line of work. And, and I think there are a lot of calls made. And I kind of got on my high horse about this in last week's mailbag uh, when I pointed out that we should remember the names of all our information merchants and keep score so that when they say things the next time, we know how much stock to put in it. But some of these guys are right by accident sometimes. They are not looking to necessarily trade anybody. That's a long way of saying if somebody calls and offers them a first-round pick and a bunch of other stuff for Christian McCaffrey, will they listen? You know, of course they will. If somebody calls and offers three first-round picks for Brian Burns, will they listen? Sure they will. But I, I don't think – and listen, admittedly, Christian's a different case because he's got a lot more miles on his tires. The injury history is obvious. But if you look at what Christian's doing right now, Christian McCaffrey's getting it done at a high level, so they're not motivated to give him away uh, unless they're getting a premium return. So that's McCaffrey, and the other two I have are not just random. These are really good players. Let's see what Darren Gant says in terms of if they're untouchable or not. They're interesting situations given the headlines and maybe future headlines that we might see. Brian Burns still hasn't signed an extension, and he might be set to do so after this season. Given where the Panthers are at right now, how does that affect how touchable or how available Brian Burns might be if a team should call? Well, we already have a precedent uh, for that one in Khalil Mack, don't we? I mean, haven't we already established what the baseline for that kind of deal would be? And and again, if, I think Brian Burns is a the guy they want to keep around here because even though they've got an interim coach right now, this just in, and I'll break the news here on your show, Josh, they're going to hire another coach. Whoa! He's going he's gonna to want to have a pass rusher. Uh, so, Brian... Yeah, you would either want Brian Burns or the means to acquire someone as good as Brian Burns, and there ain't all that many of those. So I, I don't think I would be very surprised. They would have to be knocked off their feet um, for Burns to not be here, I would think. Given the timing of the DJ Moore contract, which is to say before all the madness happened this offseason at wide receiver, which I think Carolina got him at a bargain for, the contract that he sits for the future yep. and the fact that they just traded away Robbie Anderson. Would it surprise you if they moved DJ Moore at this point? You just answered your own question, didn't you? You kind of talked yourself out of that one in mid question. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. No, but I didn't again, talk myself out of it. I just put it on the tee for you, yeah, Darren. I'm a good teammate. That, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's almost like with Burns, but because of those things you mentioned, because of the scarcity of, of proven weapons at wide receiver, because of the extreme value DJ Moore presents on that contract compared to what it would cost to replace him, why would you consider trading him right now? Again, if if somebody came and offered you many, many things, do you listen? Of course you do. But I don't think they're trading DJ Moore. I don't think they're trading Derek Brown. I don't think they're trading Brian Burns unless somebody just blows them away with a premium offer. Darren, any Charlotte Hornets ride by in a scooter while we're talking? 
No, I'm still stuck in the stadium because it's been a little bit of a long day. So I haven't actually gotten out into traffic yet. So uh, we're here burning the midnight oil for you, our readers of Panthers.com, because you know what, Josh? We do it for the people. That's what you do. And, and you're spending time with me, and I appreciate that. On the way out, what's the next? I know you went to um, Farm Aid, and I was jealous of you that you went to Farm Aid a few weeks ago. What's the next show? that is on Darren Gant's radar screen. You know, I tell you what's on the radar screen, and I need to get some work done earlier this week. Lizzo's coming to my city. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, see, I don't know if you like the NPR, like, tiny desk things that are put I, on YouTube. I love tiny desk concert. That might be That might be my favorite one. The Lizzo, she, she burned the entire place down. She is an incredibly talented musician and a classically trained musician and, and an incredible entertainer. So she can be in my city. I, I'm not guaranteeing I haven't secured tickets yet, but I, I got a feeling I'm going to I'm going to make a run at that one and uh, and try to line up some help. Because, again, she's just one of those people. I mean, I, and I think. Again, the deal with the James Madison flute the other day got her in the news. It just underscores how talented she is. And that's the kind of stuff you want to see. You want to be in the room with people who are that talented at the thing they do. Let me ask you this on the way out since I made it the poll question today that people are answering. And it seems like an obvious answer, but when you think about it, maybe not. Which fan base do you think had the best weekend in sports? Tennessee fans, Philly sports fans, talking about, of course, the uh, Phillies beating the Atlanta Braves and the Eagles last night, or the San Diego Padres hosting a playoff series for the first time since 06, knocking off some team from L.A. that everybody thought was a foregone conclusion to win it all. Which fan base do you think had the most fun? Well, good for the dads. I'm 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 pro Padre and not necessarily pro Dodger. Don't tell Kyle Bailey, but uh, I won't. I'm I'm okay with the dads coming out victorious. But who had more fun this weekend than Tennessee fans? (laughs) I mean, I I think once they figured out, I don't. I guess there's an engineering school in Knoxville, but once they figured out how to get those goalposts out of the stadium, they ended up in a river. And the good news for Tennessee fans is personal flotation devices often come in orange, so they didn't even clash. Oh, yeah. You got the right answer, I think. And a few callers have already called in. Apparently, half of Clemens was at this football game on Saturday and responsible for those goalposts being thrown in the river. (laughs) So there you go. Thanks for the population of Clemens, the dry half and the wet half. Love it. I I, I, I love it. I, I... you, you can't replace memories like that. And if you're ever a part of that thing, I know, you know, my daughter was rushing the field after the Troy game a couple weeks ago in Boone. And, you know, do you have scars from things like that? Sure you do. I mean, it gets a little crazy down there sometimes, but nobody's ever going to forget when they were there. No doubt. Darren, thanks for burning the mid-oil oil and spending some time with us. We'll talk to you soon. See you, buddy. There it goes. Darren Gamp, Panthers.com. Who sings this? The Osborne something? Brothers? I have no, I have no idea. 336-777-1600. What fan base do you think had the most fun this weekend? Visiting that poll. 50, make it 62% now say it's Tennessee fans. Here's the only part that I didn't like about that on Saturday. Or I guess since then. Did you know that the university has been fined 
by the SEC $100,000 for that. So apparently it's twenty five or 50000 the first time that it happens. Like you storm a floor or you storm like the field. And in basketball, that happened in 2006, I want to say. So that was their first offense, 50000 This was seen to be their second offense 16 years later, 100000 Third offense is 250000 And then with the goalposts getting torn down, costs money to replace that. And apparently they're asking people with a GoFundMe to help fund the replacement of these goalposts. Stop it. We know how much money you make. We see the TV revenue going up. You you can afford to replace the goalposts. Okay? You can replace the goalposts. Money well spent. It is. There's that video of the university president. Yep. It's like, hey, Got a cigar. how much is this going to cost? Don't care. Don't care. Take this it to the great, river, there's boys. There's this great picture. Support local journalism, as always. Where a local uh, photographer thought it would be a good idea to go outside the stadium and take a picture of the celebration. Well, how can you see the celebration outside the stadium? All you can see floating above the stadium is cigar smoke. It looks like Snoop Dogg's car, but it's a stadium. That's just, awesome. Just smoke coming from the stadium. 20,000, 30,000 with cigars after that game ends. It's unbelievable. And Dan Wetzel made this point in a column today. That's what makes college football really great. It is the campus atmosphere that you can't really replicate in the NFL or anywhere else. It's something that Sarah Bradford pointed out to me. It's so obvious to anyone who watches that you just don't have that. Like Sarah Bradford saw that crowd, the opening shot where Smokey's barking and he's fired up. That's when I knew Tennessee was going to win. I was wrong on Friday picking Alabama. I knew Tennessee was going to win when they showed Smokey and Smokey is wanting to kick some butt. The dog just like barking, barking, ready to go. He's hungry. Dog going to eat. Well, and you're not going to let Smokey down. But I wanted to make a point. The point I was going to make is, why don't we have that in the college football playoff? See, that you, you have these sterile, neutral environments that you play these games. With the expanded playoff, it looks like we're going to get first-round games on the road, so you get a lot more of that. Games that feel like, hey, here's Alabama going to Tennessee, or Tennessee going to Clemson. Or Wake Forest going into that environment, right? Games that really, really matter in there, played on campus. That's good. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I mean, you you felt like Tennessee was good enough. They You just didn't know if they were ready to take that next step yet. No. In those types of games. Because to your point, Friday, Alabama wins those type of games. They do. And Tennessee. They do. I, do I regret making the pick? Yes. Because, I was wrong, but also, on paper, you can kind of see it now. Okay, Bama doesn't really have this skill talent. But then again, like, they scored 49. Yeah. Scored 49 in the game and lost. If you told me Bama scoring 49 in the game, they're winning it by three touchdowns, probably? I, I, I didn't think, in regulation, Tennessee was going to drop 50. Just think tech They have fans. one of those memes. They have one of those memes where it's like an old guy with a beard that says Tennessee by 50. Well, they didn't win by 50, but they scored 50 on Alabama just in think, regulation. Just think, Hokie fans, that was your quarterback. Yeah, it was. It was. 
That was your quarterback. Do you know where Hendon Hooker went to high school? So you know was, he's from Greensboro. Was he? It's either Page or Grimsley. Nope. Neither. Dudley. Dudley. Went to Dudley. Dudley guy. Hmm. Going back to where we started this segment, though. Which game would excite you more given the CBS projection? Wake Forest, Bama in the Orange Bowl or Texas, North Carolina? Slight bias, but Texas, North Carolina. No. Nick Saban playing Wake Bleeping Forest. Think about that. I mean, that's going to be incredible. Just, if that, yeah. just think about that. We win either way. You got Brad Nessler's <laughs> voice or somebody. You're looking live at the Orange Bowl where Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide is facing Wake Forest. It's live action, Tracy. That's what makes, that's another thing that makes college football different and special. What is the equivalent in the NFL to Wake Forest playing Alabama? I don't think. And I'm not talking about David and Goliath. I'm talking about the way they play stylistically. I'm talking about pedigree. I'm talking about, hey, where you're from is Winston-Salem, North Carolina, at a school that has 5,000 students playing the University of Alabama. I don't think you have an example in the NFL. There isn't. I don't think you do. It's what makes your sport special. You want to take a guess what the enrollment at Bama is? I have no idea. 39,000. So, for real, for real, you're talking about eight times as many people, eight times as many students at Bama than Wake Forest. Oh, yeah, we're playing for the same thing. It's awesome. And I'd take Wake Forest to win that game. Oh. We want Bama. (laughs) Mostly because I bet half their team would opt out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're you're not facing Will Anderson or Bryce Young, if I had to guess, if they're going to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, we need Bryce Young healthy. You're probably going up against uh, Mil- Milrow or whatever that guy's name was, who's also pretty good. But, yeah, I don't think you'd have to deal with Bryce Young or Will no. Anderson if I had to the guess. Pan- the Panthers need him healthy. I heard you the first time. I know. Oh, me. oh, wait, the Panthers. <laughs> <need him healthy. laughs> See? I like how you threw that in there. That's pretty right. good. Keep pounding. 